Welcome, friends, once again to the Purpose Built Podcast. Today, we have Fred and Claire with the Solar Agents with us. Fred, Claire, how are y'all doing today, folks? We're oh, doing great. Fantastic. It's hot in Virginia, though. Sure is. It's just the hottest day we've had, I think, all week. So but we're doing great otherwise. Love AC. Oh, good deal. Good deal. Yeah, been hot here, too, man. Been been really hot. <laughs> right. So uh, you're in Virginia. You just kind of spelled that out for us. So just tell us about where you're from and uh, how you grew up, what it's like, and that kind of stuff. I mean, you're in Virginia, so... Where are you at in Virginia? Let me ask yeah, you that. So, uh, so uh, we're in Matthews now, which most people don't know where Matthews is. Uh, basically, if you go up the Chesapeake Bay, go north from Hampton, Newport News, Yorktown, mm -hmm. as you get up the bay, that's that's where we are. Oh. Um, it is also the only county in Virginia without a stoplight. The mm -hmm. whole county, not one stoplight. Yes. Wow. And they're very yeah. proud of it here. So, uh, <laughs> but that's what I was saying. I was like, that's not too bad, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, that means you don't have a lot of people here either. I think we a have a little bit of small town pride. Yeah. We've got, uh, I think the same amount of people now uh, as they did back in 1895. That's what I was going to ask. What kind of population you got there? I mean, like 7,800, 7,900, something like oh, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it's fairly it's small, small town. Yeah, no, and we used to used to be kind of a tourist attraction because of all the coastal property, but for some reason, I guess that well, COVID hurt a lot. Of yeah, yeah, some of that that element kind of compromised a lot of it. But we've been here ten years. Uh, I've more or less, you know, born and raised in Virginia, uh, right down the road, as it were. I went to uh, York High School in Yorktown, and we lived there for a while. And uh, there's from yeah, I, I'm from Northern Virginia. I grew up in Alexandria, and um, and I came to Christopher Newport University probably the second or third year it had graduated from a community college to a university um, mostly because they allowed freshmen to have a car <laughs> and that was really important to me. <laughs> Got to have um, a car was, for the one stoplight. Right. I'm just, <laughs> well, Newport well, News, they have way more than yeah. one stoplight. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. I realize that's a different place. Stoplights. Yeah. No, the college has infinitely grown since <laughs> right, I right. attended, but, um, but I came down and I basically, we, we met my first month there and um and I kind of never went home it was me good good so so you met and when did you get married and, and how's married life going kids all that kind of stuff so so we hit a really cool anniversary this week yeah a couple days ago a couple days ago mm -hmm. um 25 years from our first date yeah awesome. august 23rd wow. 1998 huh. was sounds right yeah was so, our was our first date less than a year later we were married um, it was a very quick courtship, and right away we started having children, and um, mm. and the rest is history. Yeah, right, right. Well, I mean, so we have eleven now. Yes. We wow. So we have eleven wow. children, and so we, you know, our oldest daughter, uh, she is twenty three. Give her turn. Yeah, she's getting ready to turn twenty four. Yeah. So and our youngest is three, and she just got dedicated last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. so, and it's kind of funny because uh, you know she's uh, she just got dedicated, you know, uh, last just last weekend. Mm -hmm. And our mm -hmm. oldest daughter was in town. We, we were really blessed. Uh, every time we have a family event, all of our children are are more than willing to come home, you know, and be local wow. and to be the experience. Home. I know. Yeah. You kind of, you know, and we have three adult children, uh, technically four <laughs> adult children, but three that don't live in the house anymore. Mm -hmm. And so one's in Tennessee. Uh, one's in Florida now, but she was know, in California. She was in California. Uh -huh. Goodness. So, you know, we, you know, they, they end up coming and it's, it's funny, you know, um, Lucia is talking about her mom and dad to my 23 year old. And, and she keeps trying to tell her they're my mom and dad too. You know that, right? She's, Oh, I know. I know. But my but, mom and dad, <laughs> and it's just, it's funny. Cause oh. she, obviously she didn't grow up with her like the other kids did because she's, she's been out of the house for 
six like now. six years yeah. now. I mean, she was wow. out. Uh, yeah, she graduated. Yeah. She was seventeen, so yeah. she was out. You know, seventeen, eighteen years old. So it's it's yeah, fun. So, so so the youngest one didn't grow up with her really in in, in the house or anything. So right. I mean, not even so, really in the same state. And it's really interesting. Wow. She, she know she has no because uh, um, Philomena has been married for a couple of years. So. You know, with our older ones, their spouses have been a part of the family. Some of the younger kids don't remember a time before that. And so that that's a really interesting dynamic. So, uh, uh, you know, we want to know about your faith life, you know, how you how you came to be Christian, how you came to find the Lord. And, and uh, if you grew up in the faith or not, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Okay. I grew up with uh, an Italian Catholic father. Um, my mother left the house when I was fairly young, a little bit before I turned seven. Um, so I, I grew up in the, in the Catholic tradition, went to a, a Catholic elementary school, Catholic high school, actually public school. The first public school experience I had was going to college, which was quite the culture shock, let me tell you. But, um, but yeah, my faith was really, really important to me, you know, coming to, to college and everything. And so when we, when we met, um, I like, you know, I came to college with two rules, you know, I wasn't really going to date at all, but if I was, you know, he was, he now I was going to marry a, a good Catholic man. And what ended up happening was, you know, God takes our plans and laughs and laughs and laughs and then laughs some more. So, um, and that's basically what he did. He presented me with this man who, who impressed me so much with his, you know, his humor and his handsomeness. And of course, his, you know, he had a very strong, you know, moral foundation and a strong sense of righteousness. Looking back, I can say that, you know, I didn't know what it was quite then. But I just, there was something about him that was just like his compass was right. Like I knew um, right away. And and then we, we started kind of a faith journey together. Yeah. So so I did not have nearly as much structure as okay. she did. I mean, they, so they were like the cradle Catholics, not just going to church on Sundays, but they went on Wednesdays and Saturdays for a portion of the year. Mm-hmm. So they were going to church three times a week. Uh, my, my family was what you call three-day Christians, which means we went three times a year. You know, we went in Christmas, we went at Easter, then what other other time. time our parents thought it was appropriate to, to go to church. And, uh, and, and of course they would do it in, you know, kind of in phases. Like they, they would, at some points in our, you know, upbringing, they would go for, you know, six weeks in a row or something. It was, you know, but that was spread out between years when that actually happened. And so actually my, you know, Christian foundation didn't come from my parents or my upbringing it came from my grandmother. And, and it was interesting because my grandmother's story really has a lot of overlap with Claire's story. And we didn't really know that at the time. But basically, when I was in fifth grade, um, I had a, a problem with the neighborhood that I was in. Uh, they, like I was getting bullied in different things and I was kind of driving everybody crazy, including my family. Hmm. So my mom said, uh, you need to go ahead and go live with your grandparents. Uh, what ended up happening was my grandmother did go to church, not only on Sundays, but, you know, the commitment to her faith was all week. So, mm-hmm. you know, she would, you know, she would go on Sundays and she, you know, would talk to the pastor, okay, who needs pastoral care? And so before that was a thing in a church, as far as pastoral care, she was doing it. You know, she's asking, mm-hmm. okay, who needs help? And um, it got to the point I found out later on from my grandfather that, you know, he, she was spending money on food that like to the point where they didn't have money for food. And he's like, I love helping people, but we need to eat too. And that was evidently a discussion they had during that time. But that's who my grandmother was. I mean, just everything that they could possibly want. And so, so I, I just started learning what it meant to be a Christian outside of Sundays. Now, right. I actually never got to meet this woman. I actually revere her very much. But mm. a little funny story. Um, when we did decide to get married, 
we got married in it like he the the pastor that ended up marrying us was his pastor his grandmother's pastor that had known mm-hmm. his grandmother and he had started building a church and dedicated a portion of the, of the church to her there was a plaque on the wall and everything wow. and so fred was like well, why don't we get married there and so we did it's a great when, idea on paper yeah when we arrived <laughs> it was a pile of dirt <laughs> and oh, no. a trailer. yeah all it had was its bones and this was <laughs> wow this was like in, I don't know what, May. It, hot it was May. hot May. And so, there, I mean, forget AC, it didn't have electricity. And so right. it, it was a great idea on paper to, hey, we're going to be married in the church that's dedicated to my grandmother, who was part of my faith journey. Sounds great. Application was not as. <laughs> we made the best of it. You know, my mother-in-law got a, a garland for us to be married under, but it was, it, it was, um, <laughs> it was yeah. just one of those stories that's just really awesome right. to tell. And so what was interesting about that, though, was so my grandmother, it was non-denominational church that she was a part of. And so that's kind of where if you talk about my faith journey, that's where I was. But what we found out later on was my grandmother actually um, like was Catholic and she had gone non-denominational when she met my grandfather. And so she, you know, there's like there were a lot of similar, like I said, overlapping between Claire and my grandmother as far as their faith journeys through their right, because progression of life. We we ended up getting our marriage blessed in in the catholic church later on but what ended up happening mm-hmm. was we made we made a lot of compromises it was you know i i love that faith is a part of your life and we're going to raise them in 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 the catholic church because it's, it's excellent structure really important to you but what we ended up doing we were there for years he he even converted catholic for quite some time well I, so, so i think we can sum it up um, a lot of the organized churches right now are getting away from scripture you know right. from doctrine mm-hmm. regardless of denomination mm-hmm. like there's you know there's they are pulling away from and so scripture. so what, what we were having was a credibility problem you know we were you know basically they were hearing one thing from the pulpit which i also don't like politics are not supposed to be at the pulpit mm-hmm. um, you can have discussions you have your opinions i think you know you lead a flock but to have it as part of your sermon, to be very politically charged, that's just not where you're supposed to be. And so what we're having to do is have conversations with our smaller kids then of, you know, listen, disregard what he said. This is what's going on. And this is how this applies. And and you can't just keep cutting the legs from under your spiritual leader for your family, mm-hmm. you know, multiple times a month. And so we just decided, said, OK, this is going to be a fit. So then we started going to the Methodist church because it's kind of like Catholic light. They pretty much have the same, you know, like the, the structure true, true, and the yeah. traditions are, are similar, <laughs> yep, yep. but there, there are fundamental differences, but they had a youth program and, you know, the, the, the pastor at the time was, and when you, when you say that a Methodist church is more scripturally based than, than the local Catholic church, you know, that, that something wrong is going on. Yeah, that's what was happening. So, but that, that what was happening in our area and we really didn't have a way around it. So it was like, okay, well, we're, we're going to try it here for a little while. And, and we stuck for a long time. And so, so we actually, so I, Claire says, I love acronyms. Uh, so, um, so what we did was we're like, okay, so what exactly do we believe in? And basically we have this thing called laws. It's L-A-W-S, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if the denomination, the Christian denomination starts with love, which is the first L, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if they align with scripture, Okay, so alignment with scripture. Um, if they witness, both in the fact that they encourage people to witness to others, uh, and at the same time, they observe and see God's miracles in their life, and if they're stewards. So we're big on stewardship. So LAWS, all right, so is there love there, alignment, witnessing and stewardship? Boom, that is, that is where we're happy to go. And anybody who embraces that concept, even though we said, do you follow the laws? We don't go that far. 
But anybody who's there that's that understands that those four sim, you know simple principles we have you know we align with perfectly right. regardless right. of where they because, are. Because so having right. that acronym really helped us keep with our own like what we want for our, our value set. Yeah, that's a that's a good memorable yeah. acronym there. Yeah, very well. Yeah, he has a ton and, of them. As one that had, had spent 20 plus years in the Methodist church and uh, we dabbled in the, the Catholic church as well at one point. So I understand where you're coming from. And uh, now I pastor a non-denominational church. So there you go. Yeah, no, we get it. Just <laughs> same reason you said, because all of them are battling the scriptural, mm-hmm. uh, staying scriptural as they are. Exactly. Right. So I, I told told my wife whenever we stepped out and I felt God calling us to do something different. I'm like, I'm not aligning with the denomination because I don't want anyone to tell me what we're supposed to do as far as changing their doctrine or theology on, on right. a lot of the issues out there. Same so. conversations. Yeah. Same exact yeah. conversations. So yeah. and, and I would say that we benefited from having that standard. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we tell people, listen, you know, we're you know, we just we're coming out with love. We're aligning with scripture. We're witnessing. We're stewards. If we can get along at that part, I listen, we're great. And and nobody can, anybody who says, well, that's a problem. I was like, okay, which, which one's bad? Cause then we, <laughs> we're having another conversation now. Right, right. <laughs> For real. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so since this is a business and ministry podcast, let's jump into the business aspect. You know, what is your business? How did you get into it? How's things going for you? Right. So, so our business is the solar agents. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we actually have the ability to do, uh, you know, installs in, in business in Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Texas right now. Those mm, are the wow. states that we selected. And the reason why we got in the business is interesting. Uh, so I grew up in not only an entrepreneurial family, but also an electrical family. So my mm-hmm. father's a master electrician. Both of my brothers are journeyman electricians. I was on my way to being a journeyman electrician. Um, however, we talk about alignment. We've mentioned a lot. Um I, I don't really align too much with laborers because I don't watch a clock and, you know, they mm-hmm. would, they would talk about working themselves out of a job, meaning mm-hmm. if they move too quickly and they were too efficient, they wouldn't have work next week and they don't get paid extra for it. So they're going to milk and bring out a job. And I just, that just wasn't jiving with who I was as an individual. And so my dad really, you know, kind of noticed and, you know, he had made a suggestion because I, I did have the conflicts that I did. It's like, well, you know, you can go, you go with your own business. You can do this. And that was part of who he was too, because he had, you know, in time, he had a couple of different car lots. He had a lounge. Um, he had an electrical business and uh, he just finally uh, stopped with the electrical contractor at the shipyard in Norfolk because they had him as the master electrician. That was um, actually the, so he decided to opt into that role. Uh, but he, he said, listen, you know, that, that that's what's feeding you to go. And so I had already worked at the restaurants a little bit. Uh, but it just basically came to sales, right? So I have this electrical experience and I end up going to uh, to sales and consulting. And I did that for several years uh, to the point where uh, I was actually in Anthony Robbins, like Tony Robbins. Uh, uh, yes, yeah. 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 So I was one of his, you know, one of his certified coaches and we had our own wow. coaching business for about 10 years. And, and so, you know, it's interesting. I'm working specifically with Christian businesses at that time. So that's mm-hmm. why I just decided what my niche was going to be was, all right, hey, listen, you see your faith as um, as an advantage, not a liability, right? It's an asset, not a liability. Very much the same type of discussion that, you know, that I've seen you have as far as what you put out there. And so everything we built was towards doing that. Well, it was interesting when I advertised myself as a as a business coach specifically for Christian businesses, uh, when there was a kind of a political thing that was happening around 2012, 2013, 2014, 
it got mm-hmm. to the point where it became a liability because of the uh, employment, uh, human resources parts. So a lot of people prior to that, it was, well, if I'm too nice to my business, I'm going to get taken advantage of. If I, um, you know, if I, you know, follow all these rules that other people don't have to follow, they're going to have a, you know, some type of a strategic advantage over me. So that was an easy conversation. But when it got to the human resources part, as far as being liable, because, you know, like remember Chick-fil-A when they mm-hmm. said that, you know, they have these beliefs, we'll hire anybody, but we have these beliefs. And then they were boycotted. I mean, basically yeah. these businesses said, you know, listen, we're, we're, we're not Chick-fil-A. We're not successful enough to overcome certain things like that. Right. And right. so I ended up getting back into consulting and uh, I would say that solar found us because mm-hmm. I just, I saw what was happening. Um, you know, the, the, the big reasons that we do solar other than on energy costs, which has gone up, I mean, 20 or 25% over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of increase, you know, grid instability. You have, you know, what was happening, you know, in, in California with the rolling blackouts are now going to states in the Midwest and it's going to states like in Texas. And so we're seeing where people don't have as much confidence, you know, in the mm-hmm. grid stability because of the uh, like winter get in. I don't know if you're familiar with winter get in that happened in Texas a little more two years ago, hmm. about two and a half years ago, uh, where oh, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, it just failed. And so, yeah. so we saw the increased stability. And then also I got to the point where, um, energy independence was really important to me. Uh, basically owning your own stuff. I, mm-hmm. I, I have to admit, and, and, you know, hopefully I'm not trying to make this a political podcast, but my faith in government, I think our shared faith in government has been reduced over the last several years. I, I, and so the, we, we have always been like the homesteaders, make your own, make your own kind of a thing, you mm-hmm. know, our yep. children and got chickens in a garden in the backyard. You know, we've always been those kind of people, but when it came to energy, we really didn't think too much about it. Yeah. So I, we have our well, right? So right. We're, we're good. We got a well and a septic. Well, that was the thing. We didn't realize, especially when the energy costs went up and we're hearing about the grid instability, we're like, well, we're not guaranteed water, actually, mm-hmm. you know, right. because our water comes from that well, which needs power. And so so the solar bug hit me hard. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I, I had already been researching for several years because I was an electrical and, and the technology just finally hit a tipping point about three or four years ago. Uh, with both the financing, because fi- uh, consumer financing wasn't available for a mm-hmm. long time, to where just okay. anybody could qualify for it. It's kind of like um, you know, Ger- you know, Ford when he got consumer financing for the Model T. That's when it yeah. really same thing happened with solar. So now anybody wow. could afford it, and it made sense for anybody. And so we, you've been doing solar for several years now, and I I, I love the business. Uh, I love mm-hmm. basically delivering those things that we had talked about, where now people have control of their energy costs. Now people have control um, of, you know, their backup power, you know, and they don't have to worry about grid instability like they used to. And then, of course, I love it that right. people get to own it uh, because right. I, I just don't have the trust that I used to in the, the authority figures that are, surround us every day. Right. So you already had electrical experience and you just applied that to the solar. Your, your energy is coming from the same doesn't change much. It's just a different source, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, so basically, you know, like a, a load is a load, right? And a power source mm-hmm. is a power source. So the switch is a switch. It was interesting, mm-hmm. even within my first three months of being in this business, which was a while ago. So my first three months, I'm I'm figuring things out. Like I'm looking at the schematics, diagrams, because my father being a master electrician on the boats, I mean, I'm looking at the 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 whole the wiring diagrams and I'm looking at, you know, basically I'm troubleshooting with him. So I, again, I have this applicable knowledge and also I mean you know went to high school book courses there and had different certifications you know for electrical uh, and as an ele- the uh, electrician which are actually two different things so 
uh, and electronics technically. So, you know, I'm, I'm used to looking at the diagrams. And so as I'm starting to look at this, I'm like, oh yeah. So boom, 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 boom. And there, and uh, I, <laughs> I got a lot of credibility very quickly because I was able to, to, to look at things and go, all right, well, I mean, we know this isn't supposed to work like this because of this and this. And, and I was actually troubleshooting things within the first. Okay. So I'm going to fangirl a little bit. He was on an <laughs> install a little while ago and he, like the, the guy that had been there, I think he went, he had like a mask in this industry and, and he was um, correcting him and he was right. <laughs> well, and, and it just, again, it's just kind of a duck to water. I know that, I know that's probably an overused, you know, cliche or whatever, uh, but really in the industry, it was a duck to water. And I think the strategic advantage that we really have though in our business was, yes, I have, I have this electrical background. I have this electrical knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, but the two additional things is for all those times I was doing consulting work. Um, mm -hmm. I understand the consultative process so that when, you know, when I'm actually talking to somebody, whether it's a, a business owner, you know, a utility scale or even residential, I'm able to communicate with them in a way that they understand, okay, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. This is how we're doing mm -hmm. it, which brings them a lot of comfort. Uh, but also for the 10 years I was doing my um, Christian coaching, a lot of our foundations are based off the same rules that we had back then. You know, what our beliefs are at the core of a business, you know, as far as uh, stewardship and respecting people and, and you know, growing, um, you know, growing our influence, not just with our, our hands and our work, but also with our example. So all those wow. things really translate extremely well. So the thing is, is there were different stations in our life as we, you know, went through them. You know, when I had my electrical experience, when I had my coaching experience, when I had my consulting experience that really formed how we do our business now to what it is today. And had mm -hmm. I not had the electrical experience, I probably would not have the knowledge and know-how and be able to, um, to, to bring people into this industry that are very capable uh, to right. do the right ways. Cause, so I wouldn't have that ability, but if I didn't have the you know, Christian foundations, we probably wouldn't do it the way that we do and wouldn't have built the relationships we have. And, mm -hmm. um, and if we mm -hmm. didn't have the consulting opportunity, even with our, you know, with our consulting process, you know, we, we don't believe in, uh, uh, you know, first night closes. Like we don't, we don't believe one cent. We, it, it, we're really a no pressure. It's, we see this as something that can, you know, benefit everybody. And so there's no reason to rush it. If you want to do it mm -hmm. the right way, which if you don't know this, the one sit close, that's what they call it in our industry. is probably the most popular, probably 90, 95% of other, you know, solar companies do that. We just, we don't yeah. see that serving us very well. Uh, because what, what is a one sit close just to find so that basically a one sit close is um, when they call speed to lead one sit. All right. So speed hmm. to lead means if somebody were to go to Facebook or go to Google and make a call, they mm -hmm. want to schedule that appointment within 48 hours. Hmm. Okay. Because they know that that person is probably calling other people. So they want it right, to speed right. to lead. We want to be in that house first. And so because they know other people are being called and other people are being consulted, they said, all right, well, we're going to close this today, meaning they are going to meet us, learn about solar, have a design done for them, and actually sign all, all documentation in the first time we see it. Wow. wow. 90 to 95% of my industry does that. It's, it's speed to lead, one set. Mm. Well, we do a little different. You didn't ask this, but technically you did. I was going to ask. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, ask. I, felt, I felt All right. Well, we do this a little different. Um, again, we're big on education because I'm big on education. Mm -hmm. I think it's because of her because of homeschooling, <laughs> right? We've homeschooled 11 children at this point. So, yeah, you know. so, so I love, you know, I love the education element of it. And I love the basis of our, our industry. So our first meeting with somebody I call solar one-on-one, -on -one. we don't even talk about pricing because I can't, like, I, I don't know what they want because there are so mm -hmm. many different options, especially the way solar is today. 
with the different backup options and generator integration and whatever. So it's Solar 101. I want you guys to have a strong grasp of what solar is, what it can do, what it can't do, so that you feel great about it. And then after Solar 101, if they say, yeah, I, I'm comfortable with it. You know, we're talking about the, uh, uh, the financial aspects, talking about the financing options. We're talking about the tax credits. I mean, basically everything that people want to know just about solar in general. So then um, I, you know, we do kind of a pre-build where it's like, all right, well, if I, if I was going to do three builds from you, you know, or for mm -hmm. you, what would you want them to be? I mean, did you, did you just back up power a big priority? What is saving your bill? What do you want it to do? And then they give me uh, just some guidance on what three different type of bills they want to take a look at. And then we separate for a couple of days and then I go to work, you know, we're, you know, I'm using a, it's a program. It's called Aurora. It's the best forecasting program that I know of in solar. So we're going through Aurora and we're building it. And then I come out with these three different options as far as what's going to be the best fit for their home. And at the end of that, um, I have different financing partners that are available. So it's like, okay, so are we trying to, you know, we're trying to keep the, the financing short so that you're paid off early. Do we want it long? So it matches your power bill. Like what are we trying to accomplish it at every single step? I mean, they, they are getting their custom, you know, their custom experience and their custom system. Uh, mm -hmm. It might, a lot of my competitors, they only use one panel. They only have one type of bill. They only have one finance company um, because they don't want to confuse people. So that's what they say is that we don't want to confuse yeah. people. But what it is, is they want to be cookie cutter and just. And, and the, the hard part about that is, you know, the ugly truth is not everybody is built for solar. Like not everybody's house is mm -hmm. ideal for solar. And so what 101 does is it lays out, okay, why is your house good for solar? Where parts are bad? Should we move some trees? How, you know, how much what do you really want this to do for you and how can we get it done within the yard you have? And if it's it, like, if you're, if it's not something you're willing to do in terms of cutting down trees or moving things, if that's something that's necessary, you know, what are your alternative options? And, and nobody's right. really willing to sit down and talk about those things because they just want to get in. They want to make their money. They want to take advantage. And, and, and you don't even know if they're going to be there tomorrow or not, you know, because they're, they're there for the wrong reason. So this is definitely a reflection of how your faith has guided you in this as well to be ethical and, and not pressuring and all that. Right. Absolutely. No, because the thing is, is at the end of the day, I, I see every relationship as a client relationship rather than a customer relationship. Mm -hmm. I guess long-term, this is a, this is a relationship that's going to be a long-term and that's as Christians, I mean, that's fundamental what we are. We see every interaction, you know, right, you know, divine appointments. We see right. every interaction is something that is not for a moment, but it's for, right. you know, the time that, you know, the God has for us. And so I go into those relationships not thinking, hey, this is good. You know, I'm glad this will be the last time I see this house or talk to this person. That's never the case with us um, because we want to, you know, we want to do it the right way with it. And you also yeah, talk. So let me tell you, tell you another thing, you know, as far as how faith kind of plays into this. Um, mm -hmm. So solar, um, there's actually a company in North Carolina. That was probably the worst thing for solar period. Hmm. They're not going to be hard to find. If you look them up, oh, they yeah. just went bankrupt about a year ago. You, oh, wow. They're easy to find. With the company that was in North Carolina, um, they were, you talk about a flash in a pan, uh, five years, they mm. installed 33,000 systems. Wow. Yeah. And I, th I think they were in 15 states, North Carolina being their main one. So you guys probably in that state alone have like four or 5,000 of them there. So that's why everybody tells me it's not a good idea. That um, I would not be surprised that that's why they're telling you that. So they were actually, from what I understand, they tried to do things right in the beginning. Mm. But when the owner wanted to have a million dollar salary a month, that's when his check 
took over precedence of the installation experience. And so they started hiring people that weren't even journeyman electricians to do these installs. And people had never been on a roof. And it was, it was just a bad situation. And so one thing that we've done is we are one of the few solar companies that um, service existing systems. We call them orphans. Okay. That's what they are. They don't have parents anymore. Yeah. Um, it is extremely rare in my industry for somebody to take on somebody else's install, especially if it's having problems because they don't even want to get into that rat's nest. I just knew that, you know, you had 33,000 people out there that, you know, I saw it in two ways, you know, one, they made an investment and it's the right thing to do to help them. Okay. So that's a pure uh, altruistic, you know, faith-based, but from the logical sense at the same time, you have 33, 3, you know, 33,000 people out there who have had bad experiences that are telling everybody else, about their bad experiences, which is bad for solar. And so, um, so I, you know, anytime somebody calls us, we always try to find somebody that can get out there and, and get them back up and running the way that's supposed to be. And it's simple, stupid stuff. I mean, I, you know, we had one, you know, Friday where uh, the people that were pulling the wire, they weren't using bushings. And, and basically a bushing is just something that protects an edge. And mm-hmm. they pulled the wire through it and stripped all the insulating protecting over the wire. So it grounded out within a year. That is wow. that is electrical and solar one on one. You don't pull wire through conduit without bushings, but that's right. what they did. And so it was cool. You know, we're out there. You know, my my tech ended up fixing up the wire. They're back and running. They're they're ecstatic. It took maybe three hours for him to be able to diagnose what happened. But that's also how good he is. In three hours, he was able to find the specific area where it was grounding out. You know, that's kind of what separates us. But I'll get off my rant. Hey, talk about my business. Right. Is something I'm passionate about too. <laughs> that's good, man. I like seeing the passion, uh, and that's what makes us start things, right? Exactly. That's, that's exactly. What makes you go into starting your own business or your own ministry? So, with that, let us get into what your ministry is and and how you go about serving the Lord in that way. Wow. So this is also something that hit us really close to home, and this is another one of those. You know, we talk about Joseph, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, even even the challenges we had in our marriage before kind of brought us to where the ministry manifested itself. Uh, we have been married for twenty four years. All right. Mm-hmm. And I would say that for the first 10 years or so, uh, it, it was a conflict for us because on one side, I would say that we were doing it in a very worldly way. But at the same time, we were probably the happiest among our peers. And so we knew something wasn't right. Something didn't feel right. Hmm. But compared to our peers. Right. It, it, it became it became a season of, well, you know, we're happier than them. So we're going to we're fine. And we had, you know, so many changes going on. We did have seven children in 10 years and a lot of moves and a lot of, a lot of um, structural changes in in our family. Um, But we were getting along and so we thought we were fine. Well, getting along and going on getting along is, is, is great. Happiness, you know, is, is something different. And what ended up happening was doing it the world's way and having him, you know, do everything that I do and, and I do everything that he does and we just do it together. It, it, it wasn't working. I, I, when I was in charge of, you know, disciplining the kids and making sure that they were doing, you know, what was needed to do, they would just, it would wear me down and then I would overcompensate and then it would just become a huge mess. And then he would have to come rescue me by overcorrecting what I did. And it just, the, the peace in the home that, you know, it, that would be biblical. It, I could say for sure wasn't there, even though we had a happy home. It was not as peaceful I w- as I would have liked. And 
we had to sit down one day and was like, look, we go to church on Sunday. We try to do things right. You know, we're good people. We, but there's got to be something different. Like there's got to be something deeper. And it, when we opened our Bibles and we're like, okay, where, what are we supposed to be doing? I don't want to hear it from the fundamentalists. I don't want to hear it from this big person. I, I want to go back to the word. And so we, we started in Genesis and we started at the beginning and, um, and it was, it was the, the help me scripture yeah. that did it so, for you. So for us, you know, it's so our ministry, and I guess we totally should say what our ministry is, um, but, but it's head and heart, right? Uh, and then also we have a kind of a sub that's called Truthstead where head and heart, meaning at the head of the family and the heart of the family, being part of one body is the one that's supposed to fuel the family so that they're able to. So instead of a, because we run a homestead, it's it, but we stand on the truth of God, so it's the truthstead. Uh, okay, that's okay. So you're trying to figure out where the truthstead come in at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, and that's the thing. It started as just the marriage element of it, but what we recognized mm-hmm. was there that the marriage one had a collateral effect on everything else throughout our lives, and then we also mm-hmm. saw that the environment influences marriages. So we said, okay, well, we need to have a way. Um, to define the environment that we're in and the environment that we were in is, is truth set. It was, we're allowing God mm-hmm. to basically dictate all part of our lives um, in a way like a homestead does with a permaculture where basically everything that we're doing feeds into ever elements of it. So, so it's able to grow. And uh, what basically had happened again, this is, you know, almost 15 years ago now was wow. when we, when we jumped back into scripture and, and honestly we went out of scripture too, because we just do something needed to change. What we noticed is that a lot of the successful programs that were, I guess, considered more secular uh, actually had a biblical foundation and they just didn't mention the Bible. And so as we started recognizing the, the different things that, you know, hey, this the reason why this is working is because it comes from this. We just like, well, forget this other stuff. We might as well just go ahead and go to the foundation of all of it. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, when, you know, we, with Claire, one of the conflicts that she had was when you think about headship. You know, when when we're reading this and we're talking about, well, headship, 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 which is very important. It's about a man, you know, that understands his responsibilities um, inside the family, takes those roles and responsibilities, you know, very seriously. But he's supposed to do it directly with counsel and being joined with his flesh. That's the way he's supposed to do it. Well, we didn't see that, you know, they didn't mention the flesh part. They didn't mention the one person part. They didn't mention the Azer part. Do you know what Azer is? I do not. Okay. So this is original Hebrew. Okay, um, in Genesis uh-huh. two, um, it talks about uh, that God created a being that was to his helper or to his complement. You've seen that before, right, right. okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the word that's used in original he- uh, Hebrew is Azer. It's E Z E R. Okay, it's done twenty two mm. or twenty three other times throughout mm. Scripture. Okay, and two times it's referring to the wife, the woman. The other 20 plus times, it's actually mentioning God. Oh, it's cool. when, when, you know, when Moses went into battle, he's holding a staff and mentions Azer in that battle. It's God's influence. It is supposed to be that perfect ally, that perfect complement to support the winning of the battle. And so okay. that is the comparison there is that, you know, they, you know, they're not a, a submissive. What they are is they are perfect counsel, so they're able to balance us out. And yes, we are still responsible for the, the you know the decision. We're responsible for the results of that decision, which, as you know, righteousness has a cost. Sometimes we talked about leaving we, churches. We call it, 
We yes, call it the yes. burden of righteousness. We call it the burden of righteousness right, out of our right, ministry, yep. right? There's a burden yep. to righteousness, but at the same time, we're not supposed to take on um, the decision of that by ourselves. We're supposed to find that counsel because when you know when you know God created all the beasts and He created everything, He said none of these animals can actually be the perfect complement to this great gift I've given the world, man. It's only this woman that can, and she is going to be, you know, the one that allows us uh, to do God's will while we're on earth. And so we see that as uh, there's, there's an equality between the two of us, as far as, um, as far as the submission to the, like to, to the, making the decisions. Right. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the burden of righteousness, that's all on me. Cause so at the end of the day, how I would describe it is he holds the line. He is, he right. is the, he is the end of the line. He is like, we set a standard at, these are the things that we want for our family. And then, and then he is the accountability. He is the structure. He is the last line of defense. Like, so, so if, so now when I discipline the kids, it's not, you know, wait till daddy gets home or anything like what we grew up with. Right. Like that, that's yep. what we don't want to do, but I was thinking the same thing earlier. Right. Wait till dad now, comes home. Yeah. It's okay. You know, these are the rules, you know, I, I am subject to these rules too. Um, you need to follow the same rules we do. If you have a problem with the rules, why don't we go discuss it with dad? Because, hmm. you know, if they're not going to listen to me, I have somebody who, you know, that that is, he is the accountability and they won't wear me down as much, which means I'm not frustrated. I'm not yelling. I'm not. And, and so, but if I have a problem with or something isn't working because I am the day to day, I can go to Fred and be like, Hey, that rule is, is not practically applicable. It's anymore. not serving us. It's we, not serving us the family. Yeah. How can we, hmm. you know, shift this in one direction or the other? And we talk about it and then we have a family meeting. Okay. This is what we're doing now. This is why we decided that any questions. And normally we don't get too much pushback or pushback because, you know, we have, we have a process in, in place for that. And the difference we see with our peers is this. And so we, you know, in this, you know, head and heart truth stead process that we have, right. It is 40 different modules. I'm sure you know why 40 is in there. It takes, you know, things specifically from scripture. It takes things specifically from, you could say a more secular uh, kind of ideal, but based back into scripture, uh, and then we go over the uh, 15 virtues of the love chapter of one Corinthians 13. Right. Mm -hmm. So basically that's, you know, that's our 40 all put together. And, you know, as we're going through these different things, you know, what Claire was just mentioning is the bunker that we build. And this was actually something that we introduced very early in our ministry is this idea that, you know, we, we are not two different fleshes. We are one flesh and therefore we are in battle together. We are back to back in this bunker, uh, protecting our family, protecting our home together. And mm -hmm. because we are in alignment as far as, you know, my responsibilities and her responsibilities and how we communicate and we don't have any of that pit mom against dad stuff, you know, um, it, because there, there isn't any way to pit us against it. We've already discussed it. And if we haven't discussed it, <laughs> we'll say, okay, this is something I need to discuss right. so that I'm able to get my counsel. And then at the end of the day, the burden of righteousness is on me, but I'm not going to make a decision without her input. So that's what prevents those different things other families are dealing with, where they're able to say, well, you know, I know, I know dad's going to say yes to this and mom's going to say no. So I'm going to ask dad. There is none of that. Yeah. Right. And actually it was when we started implementing the bunker part of this in our own home, it was one of the first things we changed and it, 
it made such an impact on us that other people started to notice. And that's actually how the ministry itself got started because mm. people were reaching out to me on Facebook. Well, because we have a lot of children anyway, so I do get some attention. But I had friends <laughs> that were like, how do you keep peace in your home? I've been to your house. It's not a huge circus of people. You know, you guys actually work together. You breathe together. You know, you, you share space. How do you do that? With, you know, eight other humans, 10 other humans, you know, mm. with so many different personality issues. And, um, and so if somebody, you know, a couple of people started to reach out to me, I want that in my house. Like, how do we, how do we do that? How do we, and oh, it, sure. at first it was, you know, Fred talking to the husband and we About found, headship. right. Um, mm. and we ended up finding that talking <clears throat> to one spouse doesn't, doesn't work as well as mm. talking to two. And then, right. and then we started talking to both and it's better. But what really we need to do is remove them from their situation, talk to them, encourage them, get them to a space where they, um, where they've peeled back a lot of the layers that have been holding them back and then put them back in their environment. And that, mm. that's the ideal that we, that we're looking for now. Right. So, so, cause, cause the isolation from their situation allows them to heal a little bit. You know, a lot of people that are stuck in, not to be funny, some of the damage that they've caused by their own actions and their own decisions, right, right. they're not able to recover long enough. And so, you know, as, as our ministry has uh, evolved and matured, we know the next era of it is to, um, to basically do the retreats or do something else where we're able to pull them out of their environments, allow them to be around people. Cause this is. No, that idea really came from this. It was interesting. We've had this happen probably three or four times at this point where we've had family members for one reason or another um, that have had to leave their children with us. I have to admit, their their kids, when we would meet them, um, me and Claire would have our feedback that they were a little bit unruly. But we said, all right, so this is what we're going to do. Um, we're just going to take in the child. Yeah. You know, for we'll take sure. the child for a couple of days. You go and do what you want to do, do what you have to do. Kids are not to be funny. You add one more to our, you know, to our bar. We don't notice. We're a party anyway. Hard to notice. Yeah. yeah, we don't notice. And in every single incident, the child who came was not the child who left. I mean, mm -hmm. behavior changes absolutely. They start treating each other with respect. And, and They're laughing. They're smiling. We've had people say, "I hadn't seen my my kid laugh or smile in years." What did wow. you guys do? And and all it was was they were put inside an environment that's based off of God's perfect design. And they, they flourish. They and we're not perfect from. people by any stretch of the imagination. But right. when, when you show people what's possible and you let mm -hmm. them marinate in it, you know, I, I think they leave changed. And, and another aspect of the need for removing yourself from your own environment is because you don't know what you have inside you holding you back at all. You know, uh, there were things that, that when Fred and I were, coming up with this ministry, I suppose that, that I had to peel back, um, especially on the female side, you know, because of, of the <laughs> giving up control. He talked a lot about head mm. my fear of it. Let me just get personal for a minute. That was very real. I mm. grew up without a mother. Okay. She left the home when I was very young, but my father was very good about putting church ladies in, our, in my life and surrounding me with people mm. that, that cared about me very much. And I, I will forever appreciate that. But a lot of these women also filled my head with ideas of the usual, please make sure you always have a nest egg, make sure that you stay independent, make sure you never depend fully on a man. 
and and they had the best of intentions because a lot of them had some wounds of being trapped in relationships that were not healthy and i i didn't realize how much i held on to that until until when we were when we were building this ministry and we decided to start asking questions about about Ezra and about the balance and about what that really meant and fred asked me this really interesting question he was like so so babe go ahead okay so 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 what i asked her was this i said all right so by the way to to have this idea this nest egg this extra strategy all those things entirely against scripture says you're one flesh if you if you plan to exit you're probably going to exit that's your plan you plan to exit mm-hmm. entirely against scripture. I mean, it's, you know, we are one flesh that, that cannot be, you know, what, but God right. puts together, man cannot separate. That's what it says. Yep. So um, the thing is though, you have a lot of, you know, especially again, women right now who are, who are being told that you have to have this extra strategy and are being told that men are as valuable as a bicycle is to a fish. To a fish. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. That's the feminist battle cry from the 70s. So, so it's from the 70s. It's 50 years now. It's been going on. Okay. And so what I asked her is like, okay, so when you think about me, okay, do you think that a good woman makes a man better? And I was like, of course. Oh, yeah. Of course it does. Pleading with me. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. How else would you think of this? Think of this person. Think of this person. (laughs) They wouldn't be the same if this other person hadn't walked into their life. And so then I'm like, okay, no, I totally agree. Hey, there's one flesh, right? All right, so let's go ahead and do this the other way. Um, do you think a good man can make a woman better? No. She was bad. She was embarrassed. And he was wow. like, wait, you don't think I make you better? I was like, of course you do, but you're you're different. You're not like oh my gosh what is wrong with me (laughs) and so you know peeling back those layers is really important because you know the wounding that other people have done to other people really entrenched it and Mm -hmm. and you do see a lot of of people in really unhealthy relationships where the man is very controlling and they don't you know they're trapped Mm -hmm. and this that but you also see a lot of men who have to cater to a very controlling woman or a, a woman who is, you know, an emotional ninja that, that will use their emotions against, you know, I mean, it just, and so I had to really open my perspective to the fact that an unhealthy relationship does not have a gender. It's, it's an unhealthy relationship, whether it's a, a really pained man or really pained woman. And so, um, we actually, after I, after I healed from that and after I, you know, had my moment, uh, we put that on Facebook and I, I, I wondered how many other women felt that way. And it was, mm. it was overwhelming. It was, wow. there were so many people that said, yes, a good woman makes a man better. 75%. 75%. Wow. And when you flipped it, it was completely opposite reaction. 25%. And a lot of the people that said that a good woman or a good man doesn't make a woman better had said that a good woman makes a man better. So right, right. Yeah. It, it is it is a plague of our society. Right. And to be fair to Claire, I've had my own moments of epiphany like that. Mine was happening much younger when, uh, you know, when our pastor took us aside and asked if we wanted to have. Oh yeah, we had a one day council session when we when we went down. When I told you, I we, we 
we saw the construction site that was going to be our, um, we had a, a council session with the pastor and this pastor was awesome. He was he's fantastic. And uh, he rode a motorcycle and he looked a little bit like Papa Smurf. He's just, he's, <laughs> and, and, oh, wow. And, and he had a sense of humor to match. He was absolutely amazing. And God was, God was definitely a part of him. Again, he was my grandmother's pastor. And so what happened was, as mm -hmm. he's kind of going over the ceremony, uh, he goes, all right, so it was traditional to have um, obey as part of the vows. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Would you like obey in the vows? And uh, and he was really caught like he was like well you know it was like, traditional well, but you don't have to do don't this have and, to. yeah and so, right right so my response was heck yeah she'll obey <laughs> now listen <laughs> yeah and I shot him the death <laughs> like, how'd that, that work out <laughs> I was I was twenty at that yeah. point okay <laughs> right right I thought it was being funny um, mm -hmm, Claire mm -hmm. did not take it that way <laughs> no he did not but neither did Ralph that was what was pretty cool Ralph didn't take it that way either he goes hold on now mm -hmm. that Freddie now he knows me as Freddie because yeah. he's known me since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Hold on now, Freddie. Yes. Yes. You know, spiritually, biblically, she's asked to obey you, but you're asked to love your wife. I said, well, mm -hmm. I, of course, of course I, love I love her. her. I'm here. Well, I wouldn't marry her if I didn't love her. He goes, oh, no, no, no. This is not a love that we interpret love. This is not a lustful love. This is a Christ love, a sacrificial love to where you will this, 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 and this. And I sat back for a second and I'm like, oh. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for that. And and he said it then, but when we were putting together this um this structure for the ministry and actually, you know, I guess learning for ourselves, you know, you want to talk about a uh, planted seed that harvests? Like we thought back on that and we talk about it a lot. Um and and the impact it's had on our ministry has been absolutely real. So the so I I worked on my control issues, letting go of control. <laughs> You know, and, and he and he really like took the reins and stepped up and, and we became this even plane and, and and we started to teach other people, hey, this is this is something real. And and, and the idea, especially on my responsibility was this, is that I, you know, yes, if I have these responsibilities and I'm supposed to be the head of the family, um, it is without any even smidgen um, of being selfish. Selfishness is no longer afforded me. I cannot make decisions. I cannot do things that are um, in direct conflict with the best, you know, the best for my family. And so, wow. again, that's just manifested. So we've, I, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, when we told the story yeah. before, yeah. you know, she's learned things, I've learned things, but these are things that it's taken us, you know, 24, 25 years, not just to learn, but to refine, right. to be able to talk about. Well, because you build on it because yes, it's selfless on his account. Every decision is is for the benefit of the family but i have a personal responsibility not to take take advantage of that to, mm -hmm, to understand right. that i need to serve him because he's always serving us and and it's created something very beautiful because now we try to outdo each other <laughs> I, 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 I like it <laughs> <laughs> i was saying how beautiful that was really i mean that, that i don't tell my wife <laughs> <laughs> So, so how do you, how does the, the ministry actually operate? Let me ask that. So, so right now uh, we look for divine appointments. So, mm -hmm. uh, so we will see through Claire's different uh, Facebook groups, through going to church, through wherever we are, uh, even personal friends and family. Mm -hmm. We, we know what we're listening for at this point with the ministry. It's just, there's something you hear that says, okay, this marriage is under attack. And that's how we see this. We see this as like an enemy attack on the marriage because the enemy wants to attack the home because that is, that's one of the seven pillars, which we can go over on a different, different time. Right. 
but you know he's attacking the home so we're saying okay that home's being attacked and so we uh we more or less adopt them right now what the reason why we want yeah the reason why we want the solar agents to basically fund what we're doing is we didn't want to turn anybody down that needed help we didn't want to mm -hmm. tell somebody that's in their worst situation uh hey uh we know that you know uh divorce is more expensive you want to do this people, we're not those people we're not those I mean, people because a lot of times you know the people that need the most help are 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 the ones that don't necessarily have the funds to to, to do it so now that the, the 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 counter to that though is this is that if they don't invest in it they won't put their best. They won't forward. put their best interest right. in it, and so right. that that conflict's always there. We're in. I have to admit, we are still trying to find the balance right. there. We are. I mean, we may you know have them write a check and say, okay, once you graduate, you get the full check back if you want it. Something, uh -huh. um, just because of the investment that they're you know that that needs to be put into the program in order to get the results that you want from it. But we look for these divine appointments, and mm -hmm. and we see the folks need help, and so that we discreetly take them aside and we'll, we'll constantly you know take them through the modules. Allow them to experience, you know, what our family life is, bought, you know, is if like. If they're willing. And a lot of times when, when it's put on our heart to reach out to somebody, overwhelmingly, they've said, oh, my gosh. You're answering a prayer. Right. And that's always a confirmation for us. They were put on our hearts for a reason. So what we feel like we need to do now, though, is a little bit more interesting. So we're seeing to the point that there's only two of us. And mm -hmm. right you now we still have eight kids that are still in the home. I've, you know, I've got a solar business I'm running and I've got, you know, installers and sales folks and just all kinds of things going on. Just our bandwidth is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So, mm -hmm. yep. you know, knowing the stuff I know from business coaching, it's time to scale and it's time to go ahead and put systems and processes together. And so where we want to elevate this is we really want to take the modules that we have and, and do, you know, modules that are on video. This is a concept. Mm -hmm. We know we're going to lose a little part of it with the conversation because the conversation is important. But if we're able to get the principle of a concept across and we're able to do it so it isn't us directly delivering it, we right. think that we're going to be able mm -hmm. to get, you know, scale a little bit more and help more people. In addition, mm -hmm. what we know we're going to have to do is we are going to have to meet face to face uh, because mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. One thing that, you know, that we've noticed is anytime we talk about headship, the way that we talk about it, the first person they look at is Claire. And we have other stories about that, too, maybe for a different time. But they look at Claire going, so are you like this abuse, you know, yeah. submitted, horrible, are you, are you, miserable are you sure woman? The message? You know, they, they're looking wow. to me to make sure that I'm not that I'm not a broken person, that I have a voice of my own and that this is something that's actually going to work and that they're not going to, you know, give up something that's very sacred to them for for something that may not work. You know, well, they just want to see if she's happy. I mean, because I guess they think that she's, you know, put in a, you know, just beaten into submission or something. I don't know what it is. But when we start talking about these things, they, it's like they want to see her and they want to see us interact. And anytime somebody sees us interact, they, they know Like if, if we had to choose anybody else in this world to hang out with today, <laughs> it's going to be each other. And so right. we, we feel like we need to go ahead and get these environments. And again, we don't want to turn anybody away. So what we see is the mm -hmm. next part of our ministry is, you know, as the solar agents continues to grow and it continues to do well, and we continue again, serving people at a high level with that, that, vehicle because that's what i consider it stewardship right so this is a vehicle given to us by god in order to do you know his works while we're here on earth and able to do them we want to take monies from there and do venues you know we want to mm -hmm. to rent out halls and we want to pay for the food and we want to have babysitters all set up and we want to do family game nights and we want to do uh proverbs 31 women night yeah so that's you know that is hers and then me for you know it's cairo uh because you know they talk about mm -hmm. alpha males and beta males 
uh, and that's those are two extremes, right? It's just you know mm-hmm. you, you know, we're not really called to be alphas because we're not called to destroy the world, but we're not called to be betas and be weak either. And so I was like, all right, so what are we? All right, well, well Cairo, that's Christ. So we're Cairo males. And so what does it mean to be a Cairo where we have the power to destroy the world, but we uh, reserve it to the point where we serve the world? And, yeah. and so we want to have these Cairo meetings where the men are coming there. And then it's, it, we know that by having these environments and having these conversations and modulating um, you know, the different lessons that we have, this will become more scalable and have a bigger impact. I'll say, say me and my wife are having issues or whatever. And we're one of those couples that you feel like God's led you to, I don't want to say rescue, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, walk me through the process there. How, how do you, how do you come in and help us out? What do we do next? And I know you talk about venues and things of that nature, you know, how does all that play in mm-hmm. the isolation idea? So there are three rules. Yes. Yeah, so, so we have, we have three qualifiers. Qualifiers. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So, so the thing is, so we, if we found somebody that was in need and they, they found us through Facebook, like there is actually, we have a, a Truthstead Facebook page. So, so they, let's say they meet us from the website. Well, the first conversation we're having with them is, is we need to make sure that they qualify for the program. And there are three things that you need to do to qualify our program. Um, number one, okay. You got to believe that Christ is the foundation of everything. If you don't believe that scripture and Christ is a foundation of it, I'm sorry, this is not going to work because we're going to talk about Azer. We're talking about one flesh and we're going to talk about bunker. And if, if you're going to have challenges looking at something in scripture and going, well, that's, that's not how I see it. Um, and I reject it. You know, it's not, it's not that, Hey, I'm going to incorporate it. So I'm going to learn it. Learning's fine. But if you're going to reject it, it's sorry, just go to a secular source because that's all our stuff is found, you know, based off of the second thing is, both couples have to be willing to participate. Um, we are not going to create what we call first spouse. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you know anything about, you know, multimillionaires or other successful business people, they have their first spouse and then they have their other spouses and their first spouse. Usually what happens is, is you have one side. Okay. It could be male or female that's continuously growing, right? Constant, never ending, improving, mm-hmm. continuously growing. And the other one is stagnant where they started in their marriage. And this big, uh, the chasm gets spilled, you know, it's right between the two of them and they become first spouse where the person who was left behind resents the person for growing and the person for, you know, that was growing resents the person who never grew with them. And it's just, right, right. if both spouses are not willing to go through the process, we, we can't do anything for you. Cause all we're going to do is help the person who wants help. And then the other person is just going to abuse them. We have actually had that happen yeah. where we helped one spouse. And all we did was because they started uh, you know, starting aligning themselves with basic, you know, biblical principles like uh, Galatians 5, 23, right? The fruits of the spirit. We say, okay, this is the foundation of how you communicate with people. All right. Mm-hmm. And there's nine virtues that are in there. They start speaking to their, their spouse with it and their spouse starts abusing them because now they, yeah, mm-hmm. it just okay. doesn't work. So we said, okay, both spouses have to be willing to go through this process. Third one uh, is, and it's, it's kind of subjective, but they had to have loved each other at one time. Oh yeah. yeah. There are people, well, you say, oh Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> we, you would think so. Yeah, we have had people who got married because of the reasons. financial reasons, because somebody had a kid, mm. because mm. parents made them. Oh, yeah. yeah, there are just incalculable reasons why people end up getting married. Mm. And if at no time you ever found love for this person, then we don't have the leverage that we need in order for you to. Right incorporate yourself and live with this person because the covenant of marriage requires a certain level of sacrifice you can only do to someone that you that you believe you know 
you you love. And so, so we have a conversation. And we say, okay, these are the these are the three things that we're looking for. You know, what what are your thoughts? I mean, are you okay with aligning with what Christ has here? Are you are you are you okay with with both of you guys participating? I, I realize one person may participate higher than the other, but both of you got to participate with this. And did you love each other at one time? And that and I like when we end with that one. Because when we tell them what's asked of them and they still say they loved each other at one time, you know you're, yeah. you know you're going to be fine. If you start with it and they don't know what that actually means, they start to like, well, okay, well, this, this idea that we both have. But no, if you make it last, you say, okay, I'm going to need these two things of you. And you had to love each other one time. It just kind of brings them to the point where they're ready to make the decision to move right. forward. And at one time, mm -hmm. that language is very specific because resentment causes a lot of confusion. You have to really think about that question. You know, it's not, do I remember loving them? Can I still feel that way? A lot of people don't feel like it's possible. But what, when you, when you say, okay, we can get back to that, if you're willing to work for it, that brings a lot more hope than you would think. So, so that, so once they get through those qualifiers, as it were, I built some really great tools for people who want to adopt Christ more in their lives. Because I felt business owners, in order to have their business be the vehicle and for them to be stewards, Christ had to be more the center of all the decisions they made, both inside of their home and inside of their business. So we have these great tools that I, you know, that I custom made during my coaching years that we're just using on this other side. And it has things like you know, your daily prayers, your daily discussions, your, your daily readings, um, has you being intentional, has you defining yourself intentionally, having God at the center of everything, has you recognizing the things you fell short on. And it's a cool little tool. We call it uh, our daily bread. So, you know, it's, it's a cool little tool that we put together and between the modules and doing that, you know, going through that process, um, people literally get elevated on every single interaction, every single call or every single face to face, because I mean, honestly, just reading your Bible every day and praying every day is going to get you there. But now that you have a reason for it and you're right. able to basically measure your success because of these different tools we built, um, they really get to experience it at a high level. So where does the, the isolation part come in? You'd mentioned, you know, isolation. I guess, that's something we want to do. <laughs> we okay. have, that's the idea. That's the idea. We have not. So, so how we've been doing it instead now, okay, mm -hmm. is we've been basically doing integration, not isolation. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is we will have couples come to our home where they get to interact with our family, see our kids, see how we interact. And, mm -hmm. And again, we're, we're not perfect people, but when it comes to our marriage, a lot of people look at us and go, I didn't know this was possible. Right. They right. just didn't know that, you know, I can look at a woman after 24 years uh, and she's still my bride. Like this is, this is, yes, she's the mother of my children. Yes. She's my wife who helps me with the, the house, but this is, this is my bride. Right. And we, and we interact that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, the other option that we've had is where we actually integrate into their life. So, you know, we actually just did this mm -hmm. with a couple, a couple weeks ago yeah. where, um, you know, we're, we're working with both of them. And, and unfortunately when you have a problem within the marriage, it, it has a collateral effect on, on everybody. Right. So we're mm -hmm. like, well, you know what, what we need to do is instead of have them come here because our house is a low rambunctious, um, we're, we're going to go over there and just kind of mm -hmm. show them what a, you know, what a night with the West looks like. And so, you know, we're interacting with a scene with them and, you know, for the first time in a while, from what we understand, their kids are well. We, you know, the little kids did just dance together. We had a lot of mirrored age, and then the older kids and and the parents were able to do a, a, a game night with their teens, and 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 we had music on in the background, and the kids were playing on the floor after they were tired. It just 
we had pizza. <laughs> yeah. It was just, it was a nice, um, calm, fun interaction. And bringing that into their house it, it injected everybody with, with a, a sense of, wow, this is, I, I, I forgot it was like to do this together. They're, they're teenagers. You know, one, we, we kind of had a strong arm a little bit. Like, hey, you're, you're doing this with us. Yeah. But, but within an hour, hour and a half, I mean, they're having as much they're fun. Laughing. They're throwing things right. at each other. I feel like it's fun. And they're asking for it the following week. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, that was, that, was really, hmm. that was really great. That was pretty cool last week. How do we incorporate this further? How do we do this more? And, um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's not just that couple. I mean, we've had a lot of couples that, whether they brought their kids here or brought them that's where we know that isolation is going to be important because even with a little sample of it in that type of environment, we're already seeing results. Mm -hmm. So this is where, you know, having, you know, the solar agents specifically put together this fund that can pay for the food and pay for the venue and heck even give gas cards out if we need to. I mean, like I want to go to that mm -hmm. level so that there's not one right. person that cannot get the, the help that they need with it. Um, we'll make this mm -hmm. a regular thing where we're doing it two, three, four times a month so that they're able to do it. And then in the future, God willing, what we'd really love to do, right, is, um, you know, if, if we are blessed that the solar agents is, is basically taking care of itself to the point where I no longer have to be in the role that I'm in to make sure that we're delivering at the level that we committed to to our customers. Mm -hmm. Client experience and expectation is very important to me. So I'm going to have trouble letting this go um, in the mm -hmm. future. But what we'd love to do is actually have uh, those retreats. Those weekend retreats mm -hmm. or one week retreats where we're able to say we're off this week and you don't have to worry about paying for anything. And, uh, you know, probably have them invest something only because they're, but give them the check at the end of it. They go through the program, something where mm -hmm. nobody's going to be turned away and make it so that it's, it's a full three days or full week. So they actually get that immersive like experience. Super intense. Like we'll do modules day and night and a little rest in between and a lot of inner work. You know, so they can go back into their environments, bringing the tools that we give them and a lot of the thing and let them leave behind some of the things that they shed from themselves in that intensive and bring it to the environment and build their environment back. And, you know, we talk about a follow up care, you know, that, you know, we stay in contact with them weekly or monthly that everybody can be on a call. Hey, how's your week and keep each other accountable as part of this ministry, you know, keeping each other on, on the other side of it once you've been through it, because it, it can only get better if we stay, right. just build a community around, around making strong marriages. And with us in our forties, you know, the thing that we, we say is uh, we're, we're young enough to remember, but we're old enough to know better. Meaning right. we are close enough to the folks that are getting married in their 20, 25, 30, where like, Hey, we remember what it was like at 20, 25 mm -hmm. years old, but we're not so far ahead that we, that we've forgotten where we came from, the things that we went through. And so we really would love to have that opportunity to, to kind of harness where we are, you know, where we have been the last several years, but where we are mm -hmm. right now to make it so that anybody who were to get into it, they would recognize that, Hey, this is a couple that is not so old that they don't remember what we're going through, where there's no way to relate to it. Um, but they're not so old that they don't remember what happened and what they went through. So they're not relevant. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I love that. Uh, definitely a good desire there. A good dream. 
bigger than where you are right now, which is sometimes what God asks us to dream, right? Yeah. And then for the business to be able to get to that point to fund it, yeah, you've got to put systems and tools in place to be able to make that happen. And God willing, that that will, of course, happen. If someone wanted to step out and, and do something similar to what you're doing, not solar specifically, but they want to start their own business with mm -hmm. the hope of helping run a ministry or helping fund a ministry, what would be your, your advice or tips that you might would give them? Talk with the wife, right? Well, of course, you got to start there, right? <laughs> uh, I will say this. Um, the entrepreneurial um, experience and the entrepreneurial journey is probably one of the most mm -hmm. difficult that you can go into. So, yes, you need to have internal conversations. Um, there are ways that I think we wish we would have done it different. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. basically when I recognized that, I, you know, because I, I, I didn't just open my own solar business. I mean, I actually worked for somebody mm -hmm. else doing solar first. Because even though I understand how the line diagrams work and the installs work and such like that, um, I, I knew enough to know I didn't know everything. So I'm like, all right, so let me go ahead and start in this position first and work with these companies. Well, unfortunately, what I was exposed to was the wild west of solar and the mm -hmm. bad experiences in solar. And it directly conflicted with my, you know, I get my moral foundation, right, and my ethics. It just, mm -hmm. I, I couldn't be there. And so, you know, we, we came into it cause it's like, I can't, I, I can't represent anybody else in this industry. I have not found one person that, that I want to have my name in this industry. And I think this industry is so important. We're going to go out there and do it ourselves. I know more than, more than half of these people have been in business for 20 years already. We're good. And, and it's actually turned into that because any of the partners and the relationships that we've developed since when it comes to installers engineers and different things, they recognize right away that, okay, you, yeah, you know a little bit about this industry. So to answer your question, as far as the advice for the business side of it, you are definitely going to have to find something that you're passionate about to be able to endure the ups and downs when it comes to the entrepreneurial journey. If it is not something that you're passionate about, you're not going to be able to stick with it because you need to justify like ridiculousness. You need to justify like going through the day and knowing that you're going to get your face smacked and life's going to be hard and that you're not, you probably are not going to bring home anything that day, but you're still going to do it. Like you need to have, you got to be crazy just a little bit. So find something that you're absolutely passionate about. And then that passion, people are going to recognize it. And you're basically going to develop your tribe. I know that's an overused phrase too, but you're going to develop your tribe of the people who collaborate with you and allow you to, to grow that business. So if it was any industry at all, let's, uh, you know, pick something random. That even home improvement. If it was uh, oh, rebuilding cars. Okay. Say, so, hey, I want to rebuild cars. All right. Well, make sure you're passionate about rebuilding cars. Okay. Because that's, that's a, that, that has its own twists and turns. But at the same time, right, once you set those standards and the other people who are inside of that industry recognize who you are and what you're trying to be in that industry, they will make themselves available to allow you to grow the what you need to do in order for that to be the vehicle. Anything else? I would I would also say be open to learning new things. Even knowing as much as he he knows, being able to learn from those around him. Like someone will say a snippet of something, and be like, I don't know what that is. Let me go look it up. Really, what ends up happening is he learns about it, so he ends up knowing more, or he knows the basis of why something goes wrong. But I love that he does that. something that I recognize that he does that has really set him apart because. He's willing to go that extra mile. He's willing to say, okay, mm -hmm. if I don't know that, I'm going to find out and then I'm going to get really good at it. And, and then I'm going to apply it where necessary. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. So now let's go to the ministry side. 
So my <laughs> ministry tip was uh, or is don't try to be a hand where a foot is placed. <laughs> what I mean by that is this. So scripturally, right, we're all part of the body of Christ. And specifically, it says some of us are eyes and some of us are ears, some of us are elbows, right? And it says, hey, you can't, you can't allow the ear to be an eye. That, that, that just doesn't work. So the thing is, you know, God, you know, being, you know, in our lives and knowing that his children outside of your home needs other things, he has set you up to be a part of that body. We don't know what it is yet. Um, we're lucky to know because we, we've got confirmation after confirmation that it definitely has to do with family, has to do with marriage, has to do with children. Um, not only the confirmation within our own lives and our own children, but from other people. So we've, you know, I, I think ad nauseum, he's told us, okay, this is where I need you to, to be. Uh, but we didn't always know that. If you had asked us 15 years ago, we weren't anywhere close to that. And so the thing is, is, you know, you may not know what you are at first. Okay. So you don't know if you're a hand or a foot or an ear or an eye. So do the best you can be a hand. All right. Uh, if, if the only thing you can do to serve is to serve coffee on Sundays, then doggone it, go serve coffee on Sundays at Bible study or Wednesday nights or whatever you need to do to feel like you are serving. If, if it's cutting grass because you don't know what else it's supposed to be, God willing, go cut the grass, go do what you are supposed to do until you figure it out. But when God puts it in your face that, all right, listen, your foot, all right, and not that, not that you're, you're a bad hand, but you're a better foot, then go right. be the foot because right. God's going to find plenty of people to be the hand. He needs you to be a foot right now. So that's mine. I guess obedience. I mean, yeah, I would definitely say yeah, that, would, that would lend to obedience, but also being open. So. Dude, your turn, baby. You got a tip for the ministry. I was like, he has this long, long stretch and you just have obedience. <laughs> was that, or does that, were you double backing on mine? Okay, never mind. I guess hers is that. <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah. So let me ask you something. And whether this goes on the podcast or not, it doesn't matter. Sure. Have you considered, you know, trying to put together your package in some way to, and I know you want to have the face-to-face. -face. I know you want to have the, the heart-to-heart kind of have your hands in it. Let me say that. Have you considered trying to package it up and, and sell it in a sense, you know, be it a, a book or a study or some kind of sense like that, where it may not be optimal, but it may be a, a viable product, I guess you'd say, that you can at least maybe help bring some yeah, income in distribute. to allow you to do the, to allow you to do the deeper, the deeper work. So yeah. that's actually where we started. We talked a lot about yeah, that, doing that. That's why, where the modules came from. And we, we talked about mm -hmm. doing a video series. We talked about doing a book. Um, but it, it all kind of came back to, we want to keep this accessible. And so let me, let me, so right. there are two answers to it. One, anytime you, anytime you put something um, in print or on video, Okay. Mm -hmm. It's permanent. I will tell mm -hmm. you, our opinions and our interpretation has evolved and it's elevated. Oh, yeah. I, can leave, I, I can read the same passage. You've done this. You can read the same passage for 20 years. Yep. And then because of some type of influence in your life or some type of epiphany, yep. totally different yep. now. It's like, oh, my gosh, is that what he's trying to say the whole time? And what it is, it's uh -huh. layered, right? All of it's layered right. and all of it's applicable. And so one concern right. I had of specifically the book was, man, I'm going to put down ideas that, Two or three years from now, I don't say they're going to be obsolete, but they're 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 not going to be as potent. You know, I right, even contradict right. myself potentially uh, <laughs> because because of you know what what God has revealed to us. So we've been concerned about that. Now, modulated on video, the advantage that you have is you can always replace the video, right? So if you had a mm -hmm. like a module yeah. series of some sort, some type of uh, platform where you hosted them and 
this is, you know, this is week one or this is day one, day two, day three, however you do it. Mm -hmm. And if you're like, hey, you know, we got to redo day one today because this is something mm -hmm. that based off of this principle, we've evolved. We have right. thought about that um, and we have mm -hmm. thought of distributing it that way. But then here's the second thing that holds us back. And I learned this from uh, Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins. The reason mm -hmm. why Tony is so much more successful than anybody else is because of immersion. His belief mm -hmm. is you need absolute and total immersion. So you, yes, you need to understand concepts, but you basically need to put yourself in an environment where those concepts can evolve and flourish. Mm. Because if, you know, I, I, you know, for right now, let's say, uh, you know, if I were to give you some type of weapon, okay, when you're already under fire, you're not going to be nearly as effective as you would be if you had the weapon when you weren't under fire, right? right, right. Just because of its, right. just because of its use and its facilitation and, and everything else. It's the same thing. It's like I, we could give some I these 40 different modules and, and talk about, you know, the bunker. You know, we could talk mm -hmm. about Azer. You know, we could talk about all these different things. But then if they're if they're stuck in their lives and one person gets it and the other person doesn't and neither one can ask questions, mm -hmm. then because right. it's funny. We, I think we've ended up with several different people under that. So we've had some people who say, I do understand and they do understand. We've had some people say, I don't understand, and they don't understand. Those are the easy ones, by the way. Right. When you get into the problems is the people who say, I do understand, but they don't. But the and the people who don't understand, but they actually do. They're just not confident enough to recognize it. Those are the more complicated right. ones. Because those are the ones that are going to either take um, inadvisable action or no action. Mm -hmm. The ones who understand, hey, and they do understand, hey, they're great. The ones who don't understand, at least they know they don't understand it, and they need to basically mature there and grow there and seek out more resources. Mm. And so I think our biggest fear is without that total immersion where they're going into these environments and, and we're not directly you know, interacting with them one-on-one, -on -one, it's going to be watered down, and you're going to be judged by the results of it. So people are going to say, mm. hey, yeah, I tried that module program, and it doesn't work. They're crazy. You know, these, I, you know maybe it's just for them. Maybe it's just because you know his wife just has mental problems, or, or that husband has mental problems. By the way, people have talked to both of us thinking that there's something wrong. Of course. <laughs> so because they look at me and I call my wife and I go, "Hey, babe, do you mind if I you know go go out a little bit later with the guys tonight and just hang out?" She's like, "Sure." On my so end, they're like, "Why'd you call your wife from... and ask permission?" Yeah, and then on her end, it's, yeah. "Why'd you say yes so easily?" Yeah. They think we're crazy, and yeah. it's like, "Well, no, because right. it's a mutual respect, and I do it yeah. not because she tells me I need to." I do it because it's the right thing to do. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's like, I think that's what our fear is. It's just mm -hmm. those two things. I was just thinking like a, a, another thing is that if the, if the results, if you're, if you're judged by your fruits and you're judged by the results and the person in charge of going through the module is the person who's reading it, the person that needs the improvement, there's no push. There's a lot of mm. push that has to do with improving. You can't deliver the push in a book. And so having that experience, what it does is it, it, it gives them permission to grow in a way that a book. And then by the same token, just I'm going to double, you know, piggyback off of what she's saying. Uh, usually in a relationship, especially one that's having problems, you do have two different people. You have one person who wants to work on it and one person right, that does right. not want to work on yeah. it. And what's going to happen is if you have it modulated like that without any supporting coaching or something, because we, mm. we actually have a way that we think we could scale it, which I think is what you're asking. But if we only put it in that video, what's going to happen is the person who wants help is going to listen to the videos. They're going to incorporate the stuff. But bunker doesn't work if only one person's participating. Right, right. 
So the other person, unless they, you know, engross themselves in it now. So what we were thinking was this, in order to scale it, we do want to modulate it, put it on video, not in book form for the reasons that we told you. And we, we don't want to put the churches in a position where, where other people are like facilitating all of it because right. not to be funny, they may get judged on their journey. We have a tendency to be judged harder in our own town. I think that might be biblical too. So the thing mm-hmm. is, is you will have a couple mm-hmm. that is saying, Hey, this is a great program. And if you were to give them a guide or something, and they're talking about this marriage, they're going to say, man, what are you talking about? I just heard you screaming at your wife two days ago about this. They just have no credibility. And so by, by, by basically leveraging out that credibility to us, but allowing them to have the deeper conversations inside of the environment they're in, we think we can scale. Uh, because one thing that we see is a huge need. A lot of churches don't have specific marriage programs in the church that are based off of biblical principles. We've never seen one. Like the Catholic church, they, they'll, they'll tell you how to get baptized. They'll tell you how to get married. They'll tell you how to confess your sins. But if it comes to your marriage and it comes to what's actually in scripture, I ain't going to tell you nothing about that, mainly because they're scared because they don't want to go against societal, the world norms as the interpretation of marriage. They don't want to go against that. So they just allow people to kind of figure it out on their own, which not to be funny, it's kind of a, what is it? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of care. And so if they, if they actually fixed the family, they wouldn't have near the problems yeah. they have anyway. Yeah, family is the first church. You know, right. if, if we can help heal the family, through healing marriages and creating the bunker necessary to, I mean, the family's a building block of community. We're also the church. And so you cannot build community and strong spirituality without it being, you are who you are in your home. And so what we are hoping to do as far as the scaling in the future is we are hoping that through helping families and putting together a modulated system that they in sense would become kind of like deacons where they're able to facilitate the program. They've already gone through it. Everyone already acknowledges where they are in their journey through their example, as far as their journey, recognizing, Hey, you know, this is who we were. This is who we are. This is who we're becoming. They can dismiss that, you know, uh, being judged in your own town, right? Because they've gone through the program itself. It creates an accountability. It creates a, a, a credibility. And then, so taking that family and either having a certification process or a regular type of continuing education process, just so that we can scale larger. We would love to do that. That's, that's where we see the vision coming. We just know that. Uh, so the reason why our next step is to have the local venues, because basically mm-hmm. we need to create a process that gets results and then duplicate it. You can't duplicate mm-hmm. a process that doesn't already have the results that you want. So we want to get right, the results, right. deliver the results, and then be able to show a church, for example, hey, these are the results that we're seeing from this. Already have the modules, already have the people. Send somebody and we'll have that retreat with them and then we'll allow that. That's how I think you're going to have to scale it. But we need to have something to show them first to say this is the results that you get from it and that these results can be scaled and can be duplicated outside of us because that's another thing that becomes the problem. We may get great results because we give off an energy of people who have been doing it for 24, 25 years. Not everybody's like that. And so that's kind of where we're at with it. That's cool. Yeah, I would say, I mean, you know, I've done the, the financial peace programs with Ramsey and, you know, even if I was in church and that, it's like they made us leaders go through the program ourselves right. before we were able to teach it. And I was mad too, because I was like, I got to pay a hundred dollars for this. I don't even want to do it. You know, <laughs> so you're talking about, you know, having your, your money involved in it earlier, but, uh, but yeah, just thinking about that, you know, and I know you've got all the various education platforms out there to put stuff on too. So I just didn't know if it, I would assume it'd be something you had considered before. 
It is. Uh, I think, again, yeah. you know, and I like the comparison to Ramsey because it was modeled mm-hmm. off that kind of idea uh, of Ramsey mm-hmm. and Susie Orman and, you know, all those different things. Yeah. The thing is, generally speaking, with finances, it's simple. It's oh yeah, yeah. Very clean cut. If you do this, it works. Yeah. If you don't do it, it won't work. Right, right, right. You know, and people still, you know, yeah, they still, yeah. It's as simple as it is, and people still can't do it. Imagine marriage, and because you're bringing up uh-huh. a history that's unique to every single person, and you bring up mm-hmm. belief systems that are unique to every single person. I mean, just just as a you know a fair comparison, imagine if somebody did not have the epiphany that Claire did about her opinion between how how a man mm-hmm. makes a woman better. If she did not have that epiphany, we probably wouldn't be here. Right, but that's right. only one that can be delivered in a certain way. Like they have to, yeah. they have to see it, and you have to look at them and go, "Hey, so why'd you get mad when I said that? You didn't get mad the other time." Like they need to be called out. It's a very interactive yeah. experience, and it's very, it's very vulnerable. And so that would be, I would say, part of the qualification process, part of the continuing education process. If we did have mm-hmm. people who were kind of representatives in the local church with it. Like, I think we could mm-hmm. probably do it that way, but we need to see it work. Oh, and, yeah. and then once it works here and then we can step back and still see they're getting the same results. It's like, okay, all we got to do is teach another one. So yeah, I get it. I just want to, I want to see you successful, man. Oh no, no, absolutely. Oh, trust me. You're, you're, I'm not offended oh. by it. And that is, that is our, <laughs> God willing. That's where we'd love God to take it. I just know what it's going right, to take in order for right. it to be successful there. We're just trying to find uh, where God wants us to, to have it and how he wants mm-hmm. us to put it together. So it's going to be right. um, the most impactful. So maybe we lose yeah. a little potency by scaling but our impact grows because it's more people make sure you email me any links or anything like that contact information kind of stuff so that we can be sure to, to get the word out there as well with the podcast and the, if they want if they want solar man they might call you up i would love that and, too uh, that, that, that's helping the ministry or the marriage ministry whichever yeah right, right. exactly i want to celebrate y'all and point people to you and the and the work that you're doing for sure and and uh yeah, I do appreciate you being on. I appreciate you hanging out for almost an extra hour for sure. 